0: media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.cornerstone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Open your Bibles to Second Timothy. We've been in chapter 3 for the last uh several weeks and we've been going through a short study and we've really kind of taken an approach of uh, even though it is directed to all Christians and all people, it, we've been kind of taking the, a, a parental look, a grandparent look of, you know, sending our kids out in the world and are they prepared? And, you uh, know, I don't know if you ever know as a parent if your kids are prepared. Uh, we sent two girls out and, you know, we always had question in our minds, are they prepared you know, for the things of life, and, you know, we always want to give them the the proper equipment to to be successful, and I realize that successful has a earthly kind of mindset, but, uh, you know, successful in what the Bible would say, and successful in the eyes of God, and so we go from the practical, I mean, there was two things that we wanted to make sure that our girls could do, that they knew how to feed themselves, and they knew how to clean themselves, and then, in other words, can they do a, a load of laundry, do they know how to wash clothes, And do they know how to cook a little bit? Because, you know, as they go off to college or whatever it might be, you know, those are pretty two essentials for steps in the right direction. He knows how to feed himself or she knows how to feed himself. And he doesn't smell. You know, that basically if we get, you know, we're going in the right direction. But how much more? When we start to look at all the different things, you know, what what kind of world savvy do our kids need to have in order to truly be successful? Especially when we want to say successful in the eyes of God. And then we began, you know, in this study of looking at some of the scripture. And and folks, I'll be the first one to admit that it's pretty intimidating. I mean, when we look at chapter 3, verse 1, let's just go back and and look at that. It says, but understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty. And then in the next verses, he really begins to expand about how bad things are going to become. And in these last days, we said that's ever since the the ascension of Christ, it's the church age. And so we've been living in 2,000 years in this last days. But he said there's going to be a decreasing amount of holiness a decreasing amount of, if you're going to say, just common niceness. There's going to be all this depravity on display. And as Christians, he says that we will actually be kind of in the firing aim of a lot of that. In verse 12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, again, Paul is writing this to Timothy. That's his spiritual son. It's not his flesh and blood son, but it's his spiritual son. And he's trying to prepare him for ministry. And he goes beyond, hey, do you know how to cook? And do you know how to do your own laundry? And he says, spiritually speaking, as I send you out into this very evil world, I expect to be persecuted. If you really are living for Christ, expect that this is going to come with it. And Paul didn't paint a pretty picture. If we go to verse 13, it says, when while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. He paints this picture that's really discouraging. And I don't know about you, but in the last two or three weeks, as we've been covering this text, I I wonder how many as parents and as grandparents, we've gone home with kind of a little bit of a heavy heart. I, I shared with you, you know, I got a little emotional that first week. Because I wasn't viewing it so much from a parent, but a grandparent's point of view. And I'm going, this is the world that my grandkids are growing up in. And so if we just stopped right there, we could really, really be overwhelmed with the depravity of this world, the evilness of the world, and and even God saying it's going to get worse and worse. So how do we help our kids navigate this kind of world a morally declining world, and how do they do it? Not just keeping their nose clean and out of trouble. How do they do it with holiness? How do they really become young champions for Jesus Christ? And we begin to see that Paul gives us a direction there. He he says to Timothy in verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned. In other words, Paul said one of the essential things for holy living in the future is to have a holy exposure in the past that we raise our kids up. And we've said that, you know, man, we're so glad that you, many of you are raising your kids in the church, but also raise them in the word, not just a church attendance, but in the word of God, because that, that was the, the direction that he gives to Timothy here. The second thing that he sets there is in verse 15. He points to God's use of Scripture to make them what we he says is wise for salvation. Look what it says. And from childhood, how you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, we would call that the Bible today, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, the Scripture is going to direct us to our sinfulness and our need for a Savior and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ as that Savior. Not just to be good people not just to go through religious activity, but to point us to our desperate need and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. So as Paul is writing and he's going through all this, then he comes to that next part that we really spent a lot of time on last week in uh, verse 16. And he talks about that God's word, his word has four intentions for our life, four purposes, four directions. We just don't read it for You know, just be reading it. It has a purpose in our life. And we saw last week, it says in verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Uh, I've used this illustration before. Uh, Can you go to that next one? Is there, oh, there it is. Um, this is probably one of my favorite illustrations uh, of that verse, kind of an application. You know, that, that we want our kids to, to walk with Christ in holiness. We want them to be successful in living for Jesus Christ. Okay? And so that would be that path here. And so we teach, that is, that shows the path to walk on. That's doctrine. That's where we get our theology from. Solid truth. And that's the teaching part that Paul talked about in in that verse. Uh, But how many of you have walked that path perfectly? None of us. And and so we kind of leave that path, and and we kind of fall. And that's why the Bible says, okay, I also, in my word, will give you reproof. It shows us when we've gotten off the path. Remember the picture of the guy that stepped out of bounds? Or the little child with chocolate all over her face and I didn't do it. The Bible shows us our sin. What, to rub our nose in it to make us feel bad? No, to show that we need a Savior. And that we need the consistency of God's grace in our life week after week after week in order to truly live the Christian life. And so the Bible has reproof in it. That is, it just shows us, hey, you're out of bounds here. But then, because God loves us so much, it gives us correction. He doesn't just show us where we're wrong, but he shows us how to get back on the right path. And we use the illustration of a math teacher. It'd be one thing to say, wrong, 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 wrong. No, that math teacher will show you, here's what you did wrong, Billy. Here's the correct way to do it. And the Bible does that. Why? So that we can get back on the right path. And then the Bible also, that fourth thing that Paul said was... Training in righteousness. Here's the right way to go. Folks, there's nothing that's a given that we're always going to have to go in this cycle of messing up, being put back on the right track. We can do things through the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God. There is the possibility of holy living. Okay, Let's not just kind of give away holy living saying, say, hey, we're all going to fail all the time in all things. No, none of us are perfect. We will be challenged. We will go through this cycle a lot. But by the grace of God and by the power of his spirit, he puts us right back on the right path. And he trains us for righteous living. Does that make sense? Does that help? I'm a visual person. So when I look at it, i going, okay, now that verse makes total sense. Is that a hope that you have for your kids? Would you admit that your kids, I know as wonderful as they are, that they have done this cycle at least once. Today. In the last five minutes. And you have to. And so we need this hope. So now to get the full picture of what Paul was uh, intending through this writing to his spiritual son Timothy, the full hope, we come to verse 17. We touched upon it a little bit last week, but it's going to be our focus this morning. Look what he said. All of this is working with these four intentions with one purpose. All this is going in one direction. Verse 17. So that the man of God, the Christian, the believer who's put their faith in Jesus Christ may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now folks, I I realize I just took 25% of my time this morning to do nothing but review of the last three weeks. But it's really important. Because so many times... You know, I don't want to do that to debore you or to insult your intelligence that you didn't get it the first time around. But context is everything. We can take one verse here and one verse there and one verse there and not get, sometimes we can mishandle the word of God by just taking a verse at a time. Other times we don't get the full beauty of what is happening. And this is one of those situations where I believe we don't get the fullness of the beauty of what God is telling us, through Paul, to Timothy about the hope that we have for ourselves as believers, for our kids when they come to faith in Christ, and for sending them out in a world that's really, really, at times, quite scary. And so this morning, I I want you to, to get the flow of this chapter. It starts off quite frightening, but it doesn't end this way. This verse ends in a way that gives us hope because it's based on the promise that God is giving to us. By the time we get to verse 17, this hope is based in both His Word but also empowered by His Spirit, the the life that we can have in Jesus Christ. Parents, grandparents, believers, don't miss the promise of this verse. As intimidating as it is to wonder if our kids are going to be able to navigate this world with all of its deceitfulness, with all the lies, with all the different things that are going on in this world, look what God promises. He says that they, if they are in his word, if they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then they are empowered by the Spirit of God, through the word of God, and look at the words that he uses to describe the Christian who's in the word, empowered by his spirit. Complete, equipped for every good work. VSV, one of my favorite uh, translations, uses the word complete. The Greek word is artaios. And it's the word is defined here as to be fit, complete, qualified to function, sufficient, completely qualified to be proficient. It has the sense of not just being adequate, but more than adequate. And do you want your kids to be adequate? I mean, husbands, if your wife came up and said, oh, you're an adequate husband. <laughs> thanks for that, you know, burst of encouragement there. You know, adequate means, okay, yeah, you can do the job. Are it's sufficient. You can hit this watermark. But the word that's used here means really more than sufficient. Qualified to function in a superior level. It means that you're ready for this next step. Paul gives a promise here to Timothy. He gives it to us. God gives us. That, that's why, anybody have the King James Version Bible this morning? He's going to use the word perfect. Perfect that was always kind of intimidating when I was a kid. I, I was raised in King James Bible as a like, man, so you can be perfect. I'm going, I blew that already. But it, what it meant is, no, you'll have the perfect ability to live the Christ life. You, you'll be equipped, because of the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, to have victory in this Christian wall. Now let's go back away from parents and and away from grandparents and that perspective. If you're here this morning, you're neither a parent, a grandparent, you're just a Christian or, and you're going, man, I'm having, I'm struggling pastor just to live the Christian life. This promise is for all of us who are Christians. It's a promise that if we are in the Word, empowered by the Spirit of God, that He will, He's given us the equipment To be victorious. Is that victory automatic? No. We have to apply it. A lot of us, uh, some of our discipleship groups and and our senior adult group right now, we're going through a study of the Holy Spirit, and we found out that, okay, the Holy Spirit sealed us into the day of redemption. That was kind of automatic. It happened right when we were saved. But all these other things, that He's a comforter, that He's, you know, all these other things, we kind of have to participate with the Spirit. He's more than able. He's got his side covered. But we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can actually resist the Holy Spirit, even as believers. And so we may not always be comforted, even though we've been promised that we have a comforter. But the more and more that we lean upon the power of God, the Word of God, and we put faith and trust in all of his promises, we will be comforted, even in situations that are not all that comforting. Does that make sense? So we participate. And this here, in this verse, I believe this is a participatory promise. That as we raise our kids in the Word, as we as Christians go to the Word, empowered by the Spirit of God, we will have the equipment to walk successfully, victoriously, the Christian life. Well, Bobby, you've said that about eight times now. Yeah, you're probably going to hear it about three or four more times. Because one of the challenging things for us as Christians, I don't know about you, but as far as I'm concerned, are you over, kind of overwhelmed with the path of holiness? Are you ever, you know, going there, two steps forward, five steps back? Have you ever felt that way in your Christian life? And your heart is kind of, your your heart goes, I do love Jesus. It's not like I just, you know, don't believe in Jesus. I, I love Jesus. I, he is my Savior I just have a lot of fear or I have a lot of selfishness or I have a lot of dependence on self or whatever it is, you fill in the blank that keeps you from going five steps forward. But that's a challenge that as I talk to other Christians, seems to be a pretty commonplace thing. This verse here isn't saying, okay, you know, we're not going to have challenges in our life. You no, know, what it's saying is you are equipped for victorious Christian living. And we see the full weight of that promise in the next chapter. Now, remember, Paul wrote a letter. Paul didn't say chapter 1, verse 1. Paul wrote a letter to his spiritual son, Timothy. We're the ones that broke it up in in Christian history so that we could say, open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Paul didn't write it that way. He wrote a letter. And so that letter continues on. And to get the full weight of the intention of this letter, we have to go into chapter four. Look what it says. Paul, Timothy's ministry father, writing to, to Timothy, who has been called to preach the word of God. He's going to be a pastor. Look at the words. Second Timothy four, verse one. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke and exhort. With complete patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves. Teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth. And wander off into myths. Question. Is Paul telling Timothy that being a pastor and preaching the word that he's charged with there. That it's going to be easy. He doesn't fool his spiritual son. He doesn't say hey piece of cake. You just you know go on preach the word. Everything's going to work out. No he says expect opposition. And as we send our kids out into college, into the world, into vocations, into to their marriages and, and establishing their families, folks, they will run into difficulties. Nowhere is God saying that there's this kind of primrose, kind of this, this golden street that as long as you are kind of keep your fingers crossed and hope, He says, we live in a difficult world, and he's not minimizing that. If anything, he's kind of maximizing it. And that's what we saw the last couple of weeks. That's why 1 Timothy 3 kind of starts off very dark and kind of heavy. Hey, this is what's going to happen in the world. This is going to be the mentality in the heart of man, and you're sending your kids out into it. But he comes back and he says, but God has thoroughly equipped them for victory. Then he translates that into a very practical thing. Hey, Timothy, God's call on your life is to be a pastor, a preacher. So what does he say? Verse 2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. God has established a call upon your life, Timothy. And I want you to know that it's not going to be without kind of road bumps and, and all kinds of different things that can distract you. But I want you to know you're equipped through his word empowered by his spirit. Isn't it kind of overwhelming when our kids go from 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 to 14 and 15 and 16 and 17? And more and more, we begin to see kind of a direction for their life. More and more, they begin to say, hey, I think I want to be this. Hey, I think I want to go study, you know, engineering. Hey, I think I'm going to be in this vocation. And, and their life begins to take on a substance. And they're not just your little baby anymore, but they're going to have real lives. And they're, they're probably going to be real mommies and daddies. And, and they're going to have children of their own. And you have dreams for your kids. Well, let me assure you of something. God's word said that God has a plan for your child's life. Paul's not saying, man, I just wish that maybe you'll turn out to be a preacher there, Timothy. I kind of hope you would be. Paul discerns that God has placed a call on Timothy's life to go preach the word. And so what does he charge him with? Hey, you go out there and preach the word. But know that you're going to be in a battle. But in the midst of that battle, don't ever forget the promise That we call 2 Timothy 3.17. Paul didn't say verse 17. He just said, you're going to be thoroughly equipped, sufficiently equipped just to be adequate or to live in victory. Our greatest hope parents, our greatest hope grandparents, It's the truth of God's word empowered by the the power of God's spirit working through your sons and your daughters. It's the greatest hope that you have for them. Now, hey, you got into the right school. Man, it's wonderful to get into a great school. It's wonderful to do all those things. Every parent should aspire the very best for their children. And we do. I want you to know that ultimately the success for our children is not the school that they go to. It could be an important part, but it's not ultimately defined by that. It's not ultimately defined by this or that or the other. It's defined by have we built a foundation of God's word, foundational truth in their life. Have we introduced them to truly their reliance upon the very spirit of God, the Holy Spirit to empower them. And that that's what's going to equate victorious Christian living. And that success in that arena may not look like success in the world's eyes. I've got a funeral this afternoon. Uh, been doing a lot of funerals in the last couple of weeks. And uh, these have been people that uh, have lived on earth for 80 plus years. And so when, when you do a funeral over somebody that's 80 plus years, one, uh, just a couple of weeks ago when I did one, I said, you know, uh, man considers if a life was successful or not. and uses all kinds of gauges. You know, was he rich? Was he this? Did he have a great position in the world and have power? This, that, and the other. And, and yet when we look back and we say, okay, this is what God considers to be successful in a man's life. Whether that life is two years longer, 20 years longer, a 102 years longer. And so, Paul defines success in Timothy's life that he would fulfill God's call upon his life. Now question, real, real fast. Does God only have a call upon the lives of the kids that he's calling into ministry? Does he truly have a call upon every life that puts their trust and faith in Jesus Christ? And so you can be a park ranger and you're fulfilling God's call if that's what God has called you to do. You can do this or that or whatever it might be. You can be a nurse, a teacher. You can do whatever. Well, that's what I would believe that the Bible teaches, that God has this call upon our life, that he truly does have a plan for our lives. That he's not unattached going, man, I never saw that coming. But as he knitted us together in our mother's womb, the Bible makes it very clear that not only our salvation was provided back here before the creation of the world, but even God's plan and his call upon our lives. So isn't the challenge kind of finding that plan and then living out that plan in victory? I mean, isn't that one of the challenges that you had? What what does God want me to be? And God makes a promise here. He doesn't say, you will be an architect, you will be this. No, what he says is, you want to live successfully the Christian life? You want to be victorious? And the thing that really makes one successful, be in my word, empowered by my spirit for holy living. Is there a higher call that you could have for your children this morning? than to walk rightly with God in His holiness and grace and to live out in the fullness of His Spirit. Have you ever seen somebody that you say, man, that person is full of the Spirit of God? Isn't there something, you know, that you can just say, man, I mean, I know we all got the Spirit as Christians, but that person is full of Spirit. Isn't that like the greatest wish that you would want for yourselves and for your children your grandchildren? That they would walk in the fullness of God's Spirit. That's the promise that he makes here. I will equip you for victorious, holy living. It's not going to be easy. Paul said people will not endure sound teaching. Is that relevant to the day that we live in? We'll turn away from listening to the truth. Is that relevant to the day that we're living in? So Paul's not talking unawares, guys. (laughs) He's saying this is the world, but you're still, here's the promise. Paul sends his ministry son to a world that will reject him. And Paul's confidence is not in Timothy's ability to navigate that with his charm and his talents but with the very truth of God empowered by the word of God. I want you to know this morning, Christian, the same grace that saves us is the grace that sustains us. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Do you believe that? Do you believe that's biblical truth? that, That we did not get there because of our works, but only by the grace of God, and we put faith in what God has done. Do you believe that, church? Okay, And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. You didn't participate in your salvation in the sense that, okay, God did 75% and you do 25%. No, it's God's gift to you. Do you believe that, church? Not a result of works so that no one can boast. Now look at verse 10. I love that this is linked together, talking about salvation and what God has done to save us, to justify us. And then immediately he goes into God's calling into our spiritual life. For we are his workmanship. In the Greek, the masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared. He has a plan for your kids. (laughs) Is that not cool? That the creator of all of everything knows your child, created your child, and has a plan beforehand. He didn't say, well, man, I thought maybe architect, but the guy can't keep his mind on anything. I thought maybe police officer, but I wouldn't put him on the streets with a gun. No, God's not reacting that way, guys. Beforehand, He has a call upon our lives. When we stress out how bad the world is, that our, growing, that our children are growing up, notice two things. God doesn't deny that it's a fallen world. But rather what He does, He says, I have equipped them for success to complete what I've called them to. Through the truth of my word and the power of my spirit. That's why Paul could write to the Philippians when he wrote that in Philippians 1.6. I am sure of this, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. There's a theological sense of that in the justification and the persevering of the saint. But I believe there's also a practical, very much a practical application of that. God says, man, I have purpose for Bobby's life. And he goes through that cycle quite a bit. But my word, empowered by my spirit, I'm going to train him for righteousness. I I want him to walk in holiness. I want him to to actually be able to say, by the grace of God, I have victory in this Christian life. And I want that for my girls, and I want that for their husbands, and I want that for my grandchildren, and I want that for my great-grandchildren one day. And this is the promise of God. Let us rest in it. Let's make much of it. Let us not be fearful of sending our kids out. Let us truly say, God, it truly is in your hands. And yet you help me to participate in it by making sure that he is a foundation. She has a foundation of your word. And, Father, empowered by your spirit for victorious living. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Father, in one way, I feel like I've repeated myself at least a thousand times this morning with the same things. And yet, Father, I don't know anything else to preach from this passage, Father, except that you have made this promise that your word, empowered by your spirit, is the answer, Father. Father, thank you that you're honest with telling us that it's really a difficult and challenging world. Thank you that Paul told Timothy, you will be persecuted. You will be living a day where they will reject what you're saying as truth. There will be a day when you'll be fired as a pastor, and they'll hire a new pastor that will tell them what they want to hear. Father, thank you that you are so honest. You, Father, that you knew the day that we're going to be living and the challenges that every parent feels this morning. And yet in the midst of that, you've given them this great assurance, this great promise that as their children have placed faith and in, in, in their life in what Christ has done to bring, bring them into rightness with the Holy God. And as they turn to your word, filled with your spirit, You have equipped them to live the victorious Christian life. Father, may we as parents be examples of that. May we pass on that hope to our kids, not just in theory, but in in actuality, that we may live these lives. So that when that time comes and that son or that daughter or that grandchild's mind, does this stuff really work? They will be able to say, yes, I saw the power of the living God working through his word, empowered by his spirit to bring mom and dad through some of the most difficult, challenging times of their lives. May we have that testimony, Father, to give our Abrahams, to our Isaacs. That we would lay down all that is valuable and meaningful in our children for obedience to Jesus Christ. We love you and we thank you, Father, for this hope and for this promise. And we pray this in the power of Christ. Amen.